So the reading is from yeah, Numbers 23, verse 27 to 24, verse 19, and you can find that on page 248 of the Red Bibles. Then Balak said to Balaam, Come, let me take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them for me from there. And Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam said, Build me seven altars here, and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not resort to divination as at other times, but turned his face toward the wilderness. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him, and he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eyes seeks whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of the Lord, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. Like valleys they spread out, like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets, their seed will have abundant water. Their king will be greater than Agag. Their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces. With arrows they pierce them. Like a lion they crouch and lie down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse them? May those who bless you be blessed, and those who curse you be cursed. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave at once and go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. Balaam answered Balak, Did I not tell the messengers you sent me? Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything of my own accord, good or bad, to go beyond the command of the Lord. And I must say only what the Lord says. Now I am going back to my people, but come, let me warn you of what this people will do to your people in days to come. Then he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor. The prophecy of one whose eyes sees clearly. The prophecy of one who hears the words of God. Who has knowledge from the Most High. Who sees a vision from the Almighty. Who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemy, will be conquered. But Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. Good morning. If we haven't met before, my name is Kate and I'm on staff here at Barney's. Um, and I wanted just to give you a little bit of background for the 5 for 5 before we get into it. Um, by saying that at Barney's, one of our key guiding values is the regular, faithful, expository preaching of God's word. We believe that the Bible is God-breathed 
and is the primary means by which God directs and shapes us to live as his children. And so week by week here at Barney's, we open it up and spend time listening to what God teaches us. Most of the time, we're led in this by our pastoral leadership team, Ben, Jack and Henry, although throughout the year we do hear from other qualified men as they share with us. Uh, I think it's easy to take really good quality Bible teaching for granted, especially when you've sat under it for a while. But it's worth saying that here at Barney's, we have been incredibly blessed by those God has put over us as preachers. I am so personally grateful for the way in which Ben in particular helps us week in, week out to see God's character, to see his justice, his goodness, his mercy and his grace personified in the person and the work of Jesus, and to apply those truths of who he is to our daily lives. Alongside our regular preaching here at Barney's every now and then, we take some time out for a practice we call five for five, or in today's case, three for five. And if you're newish to Barney's, you might not have seen this yet, and that's because we haven't done it in a little while. But basically, the idea is to have members of our church family, men and women, and sometimes kids too, pause to reflect on a passage or a sermon series and to share with us publicly how God has been speaking to them and teaching them through it. When I first saw this done at Barney's, I've got to be honest, I thought it was a bit weird. Uh, But as I've reflected on the practice, I've really come to appreciate uh, the insights of my brothers and sisters and seeing how God has been shaping them. I think it's actually a really beautiful expression Uh, of something the early church practiced and labelled as prophecy. In Paul's letters in particular, it seems that prophecy in the New Testament rarely refers to words spoken with the kind of divine authority that we see in the Old Testament, the kind of edicts and statements we're more familiar with. It more frequently refers to men and women sharing something God has laid on their heart or brought to mind. It's not authoritative to give, It's not preaching per se, but instead it aligns with many of the commands for Christians to encourage and exhort, uh, to comfort and to teach one another that we find throughout the New Testament in epistles including Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians and Hebrews. All of which is to say, I hope you're going to find this time really helpful as a few of us share how God has been speaking to us over the past several weeks as we've worked through the book of Numbers. We're a smaller group today and many who were really keen to share haven't been able to make it, which means there's going to be some time at the end if you would like to share something um, that God has laid on your heart, whether this morning or in the past few weeks. As we kick off though, why don't I pray for us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that we can access and read in our own languages and for the men who faithfully help us to further understand its nuance and application each week here at Barney's. We thank you too that as your followers, each of us have been given your spirit to help us know you better and to shape our hearts and minds more and more into the likeness of your son. We thank you for these gifts and the gifts of one another, brothers and sisters who can indeed encourage, exhort, comfort and teach us as they share life alongside us. We pray that our time sharing now would be honouring to you, faithful to your word, and life-giving to us as your people. Amen. I'm really grateful to be able to share with you this morning, uh, because I, like Bron, have found this numbers series incredibly helpful and challenging. 
I'm not sure if you remember the first sermon that we had about six weeks ago, but Henry got up at the start of the sermon uh, and read to us two chapters from the beginning of Numbers, which is basically a census, a very long list of names and tribes and numbers of fighting men. Now, I'm a solid evangelical. I believe that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. But as he read, I was struggling to join the dots for how this could possibly be directly relevant for my life. Little did I know. Ben labelled this series we've been working through, Walking with God in the Wilderness. And week after week, we've come back to this story of Israel making its way from Sinai to the Promised Land. And we've been reminded constantly of how similar we are to the fickle, complaining people and also of the parallels between their physical journey and what it means for us to walk through life with the Lord, journeying with him in faith through the ups and downs as we too progress toward our promised land, the new creation. In all of that, there have been a couple of things that have specifically stood out to me, more often as a rebuke to my own apathetic heart than anything else. The first has been the dire warning we've heard against grumbling. Ben described it as one of the deadly sins. And I guess I'd not really seen it through that lens before. For me, it was more like perfectionism. You know, that thing that we all know is not great, but actually it's kind of an admirable weakness to mention in job interviews, like, oh, I just work too hard. Oh, I care too much. Over a few years, I've come to see the damage that perfectionism can do to us as individuals and in relationships and see how it's rooted in pride and the foolish assumption that anyone could be perfect this side of glory. And I think grumbling had a similar kind of place in my thinking. Not a great attribute, but not really something worthy of labeling as sin, more of a cheeky vice that all of us are entitled to, and all the more so when the kids have been feral or you've been caught in bad traffic or stayed up too late streaming Netflix. Being encouraged to see that grumbling, too, is rooted in pride and the assumption that we're entitled to something that we've not actually been promised, but more than that, that it's an active rejection of God and his good provision in our lives, a rewriting of our narratives to make us the hero or at least the victim, has been a wake-up call for me, to say the least. I'm certainly still struggling against this sin, which once I started recognising, realised is pretty natural and prevalent throughout my entire life. But I think I've been helped in this by a second element of the sermon series that stood out to me. And that's the reminder that the God of the Israelites, the one we read about in Numbers, is the same God that I know as Father. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. As we heard last week in Numbers 23, God is not a human that he should lie not a human being, that he should change his mind. That's kind of a terrifying thought on one level because we've seen how swiftly and how harshly God judges the sin of the people in Numbers, sins which I too indulge in, like grumbling. To know that God hasn't softened on this front, that he still hates sin and his anger burns against those who oppose him, perhaps most especially those who identify as his own people, and yet dishonour and disown him, well, it's a thought to turn the stomach. And yet, even while we've seen God's wrath and his judgment, 
we've also been reminded time and time again of his mercy. As Balaam prophesied, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God promised to bless his people Israel and he's promised the same to us, even more so because he's called us his children. He's made us co-heirs with Christ. Rather than grumbling about missing out on what I was never promised and am not actually entitled to, a full night's sleep, kids who eat their dinner, great weather, I need to be reminded to cling to the rock-solid commitments that God has made, the promises he will deliver on, promises to hear my prayers, to build his church, to work in each and every circumstance for my good, and to keep and protect me as he brings me safely to glory. We've sung already this morning uh, one of the favourite songs of our household, one that's in high rotation, and that's because we sing it every single night before bed to our kids. It's a lullaby for my kids, but it's an exhortation and a reminder for me to stand firm and to stop whinging because God is always the same. He is faithful to his promises. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord of the ages holds all his little ones safe by his side. Be strong and courageous, the Lord of the ages holds all his little ones safe. Thanks be to God. Tim is going to come and share now. Hi, folks. Um, that's a bit of a hard act to follow. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Kate. Um, wouldn't mind hearing more preaching for women, just to be, be a bit controversial there, but uh, <laughs> that's just my humble, humble view. Um, yeah, so I also, um, yeah, the preaching about uh, grumbling um, resonated with me a lot, and uh, in particular, passage from Numbers uh, 11. Uh, about the people of the Lord grumbling in the wilderness, um, about being in the wilderness and having to eat manna every day. Um, so, yeah, I guess I've felt a little bit in the wilderness this year with my personal circumstances, um, living away from my kids a lot of the time. I don't have to eat manna every single day, but sometimes I do end up eating noodles and toast. I can't really blame <laughs> anyone but myself there. Um, my kids, when I do have them, it's pretty intense looking after them by myself. They are quite naughty. They complain a lot. I find myself complaining about them complaining. They don't go to bed when they're told. They don't respect me. They disobey me. Oh, I'm just, I'm just so hard done by. And yeah, I have a lot of self-pity and wallow in that. And I realise it's not healthy. Um, but Ben actually pointed out it's deadly. This is serious. Um, and it's born from pride. I deserve to be admired because I'm suffering, uh, which is, of course, rubbish. Um, so it was a timely reminder to remember the gospel, uh, what Christ did for me. Practice gratitude actively, uh, gratitude to God. Um, praising God regularly is just a great habit to be in, to keep everything in perspective. Um, on that Sunday when Ben preached on that passage, um, passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, was also read and verse 13 um, in particular stood out to me. So no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. 
And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Um, so that, uh, I found that very encouraging. Yeah, we're all going to be tempted at times, but nothing beyond um, uh, what we can bear and what, you know, what, what God can help us deal with and what, um, uh, yeah, what, what God's um, going to be able to sustain us through. So God's going to provide, he's going to give us strength. Um, so I need to get up off the couch. We all need to um, take our active steps to, to praise and follow God and eventually we'll be in that land of uh, milk and honey. I did just want to add as a sort of amusing that um, I think it is good to talk about issues but yeah in a healthy way offload with a, a, a trusted support person um, and also related to uh, what I do for work we can complain we can make a complaint when there's potential um, serious misconduct um, potential abuse or harassment we should speak up and say that's not right um, and go through that that process in a, in a in a healthy way and have a culture of um, looking after our most vulnerable, especially children. Um, so just to end, um, uh, to, to quote or yeah, um, summarise something that Ben said, um, let's all remember that our pasts have been forgiven, our presents uh, are full of promise and purpose, and our futures are assured. Hi. I just feel so encouraged already by um, what's been happening, both how linked kind of what these guys have already said is with what I'm going to say. Um, clearly God's spirit is doing his thing and how what I'm going to say is linked with what Bron did on the kids' talk and what Tim prayed in his prayers. And I'm sitting there going, it's like you knew. Um, I mean, I feel like already I've been hugely blessed by saying, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> because that is how I said it. So, um, shame on me. <laughs> and isn't God kind? Um, yes, well, that ties in what I was going to start with. I'm very quick to see, as a person, always have been very quick to see negatives and what's not as I want it to be rather than what is. And as through this series, I've related to the Israelites, that kind of grumbling, and I've flitted between, I can't believe they're doing that, to that's what I do all the time. Um, and that I instantly then see my failures or others' failures or I make excuses or then it leads me to doubt. Is God good? Does he care? Does he even know? Is he completely just fed up with me and like, oh, I can't believe she's doing that again. Um, and that's kind of, they've always been there, those questions for me and still are very much. Um, but this has been a helpful series and particularly last week, um, I think just raising my sights who God is, like he's big, he's faithful, he's kind and he's committed um, and to Israel, to these grumblers, like they haven't done anything to warrant it. Um, and this kind of idea that Ben put last week of like taking us behind the scenes of what God's doing was really wonderful for me. Um, 
And they don't know anything. The Israelites don't know any of this. Like, it's this whole story that we get to know about. But they didn't know anything about what was going on, how God was protecting them, or what, how he was fighting for them. Um, they were just grumbling away. Um, <laughs> so it's like, um, on the surface, I see one thing, or they were seeing one thing. But this passage has shown me what's actually the truth. Um, and the idea of what is faith. And it's... Um, I've been caused to think through um, those moments where I'm in the chaos. And for me, that faith at that point is that extra thought process beyond, oh my goodness, to what is actually going on here. Um, Just pausing even for one second and saying, what's the truth of what's happening? What is the truth I cannot see? Faith being the assurance of what we don't see. Not looking at my circumstances to conclude what God's doing, but knowing what God's doing and interpreting the circumstances in light of that. Um, Yeah, and the the practicality for me of that is um, the idea of taking my thoughts captive and just going, stop, that's not right, what's actually going on? Um, And this last week's sermon with, that Lily read the passage from um, God's using Balak and Balaam to show who he is and bless his people, um, I want, yes, and that's, I guess, the fact that that's my experience day to day. Numbers is an amazing assurance because it's, God hasn't changed. People haven't changed. I'm exactly the same as Israelites. He's the same. Um, and nothing, um, nothing unusual is going on for me. I sometimes think um, my situation means that something unusual is going on and I've got an excuse or a reason it's nothing, it's just what's always been happening with God's people and him, um, and I'm just part of this long story. I just wanted to read you Romans, this passage in Romans 8 that came up as I was thinking about this. Um, what to say? Yes, it's malicious. Um, we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly, and someone's outwardly, as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's been big for me, because again, this idea of God knows that we're hoping, we're waiting for something that's not happened happening at the moment Um, we're living a life of hope we're living a life of not seen yet we're living a life of patience Um, but we know through numbers and other passages that God is a God who is a blesser and he's faithful and powerful and so I'm on the right side of this waiting and not seeing Um, so to just one last thing to go back to how I started with that um, struggling with rumbling and a cup half fullness half empty fullness <laughs> um, just wanted to finish with this other passage this other verse in Romans um, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us thanks <laughs>